I'm Duncan McLeod, and this is TC Daily, the technology show brought to you by Tech Central. You know the drill by now. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do so at youtube.com slash techcentral. And while you're at it, subscribe to our newsletter as well. You can do that at techcentral.co.za slash newsletter. Now to one of the biggest global stories this month in tech, and I guess in finance too. And that, of course, has been the collapse of FTX, the crypto exchange. And uh, I've got John Avadia, who is the CEO of OVEX, on a call from Dubai now to talk about this collapse of FTX and what the impact is on the global crypto market and also on the South African crypto ecosystem. John, it's really good to see you. Thanks for making the time to chat to us. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thank you, Duncan. It's good to be back. Fantastic. So, John, tell me a bit about uh, your relationship as OVEX with FTX. I believe FTX had taken a small stake in OVEX. What was your relationship with the company? Yeah, correct. FTX um, was an investor in OVAX, uh, a small investor. It was around 8%. Um, that investment was no strings attached, really. And we were working on some strategic projects in Africa with them. Um, in addition to that, we did use FTX as a liquidity venue, um, but there were one of many. So we were using uh, three at the time. And now we're using two, but switching on a third uh, for redundancy. Okay. So what, is, uh, what does the collapse of, of, uh, of FTX mean for OVEX and for its clients? Yeah, so luckily it doesn't mean that much. So um, last Sunday we started seeing, um, hearing rumors about FTX and there might be problems. Um, to be honest, I didn't think that they were super credible. I thought FTX was in a very strong financial position, but out of um, an abundance of caution, we started moving assets off. Um, we saw these asset withdrawals taking a lot longer than usual. They would usually be about 10, 20 minutes. They were about three, four, five hours. Um, this made us even more, this actually started creating concern. Monday morning came, we moved all our trading um, operations off of FTX um, and began withdrawing the remaining assets we had on there. Uh, then came Tuesday, they stopped processing withdrawals altogether and filed for bankruptcy, which was a complete uh, and total shock. So practically, it actually doesn't mean anything for OVEX and its clients. Um, we have a very strong risk management framework. We even at the, the peak, let's say, of our assets on FTX, we still only had less than 20% of our company's assets. So that's the company's net assets um, mm -hmm. exposed to any given one risk. And that's not, not client's assets. So it's um, total assets minus liabilities. 20% of that only gets uh, exposed to one particular risk. So we were lucky okay, we got so out of FTX in time. Right. So through OVEX, no OVEX clients lost money in FTX. Yes, correct. They weren't didn't lose money and weren't exposed to it in any way, even um, in a, let's say, a quality of service. Um, business okay. continued as usual right. at OVEX. Mm -hmm. now, now, OVEX has issued a statement, uh, which, which uh, came out yesterday, uh, recording time, in which you said, uh, leading up to the commencement of Chapter 11 bankruptcy proceedings in the U.S. involving FTX Trading Limited on 11 November 2022, FTX's authority to market and make available its offshore derivative products in South Africa was withdrawn effective 9 November 2022. What does that mean in layman's terms? Yeah, absolutely. So FTX, I'm not sure if you remember, but um, the FSCA came out with an announcement against FTX uh, in early Feb of this year because they were um, marketing derivatives products in South Africa uh, yeah. in an unlicensed uh, manner. They were not licensed in South Africa to specifically to market uh, derivative products. 
So um, they, they had an issue with the FSCA. We, we were their portfolio company. We have a good relationship with the FSCA and we had licensing with the FSCA already. We let uh, FTX join our um, license as a juristic rep in order, uh, with respect to marketing derivative products in South Africa. Um, it's a very narrow, uh, I guess, band of what, was, uh, what they were, were licensed to do. Um, but they were doing that on our license as a juristic representative. We ceased that relationship um, last Tuesday, the second we saw uh, any issues occurring, the second we saw delayed withdrawals and uh, followed by the, the bankruptcy, which um, frankly, we, we never expected to happen from a company like FTX. So that's pretty much what it means. It means that FTX is no longer licensed to market or sell derivative products in South Africa. Yeah. So just explain for, for those who don't understand um, what derivatives are, maybe just an explanation of what crypto derivatives are and what exactly FTX was selling in South Africa. Yeah, sure. So crypto derivatives, so they were marketing it in South Africa. Technically, the, um, the user would still uh, contract with their offshore entity and the user would have to externalize the assets appropriately to, to trade with their offshore entity. Um, derivative products are not spot products, not the physical products. So for example, if you want to buy um, one Bitcoin, you could either buy one physical Bitcoin on spot. That's what Overx offers, only spot trading, um, which means you can then withdraw that physical Bitcoin and do with it what you please. The other option is a derivative uh, product. And that's essentially a bet between two counterparties um, where two counterparties are brought together and they essentially take a bet. One says, I think Bitcoin's going up. The other says, I think Bitcoin's going down. They enter into a contract and um, the one party is liable to pay the other party the price difference. Um, uh, at the point that they close the contract. Uh, that's the basic idea of a derivative. Um, it gets you access to the um, volatility or the price uh, of the asset without being exposed to the physical underlying asset. It also allows um, people to use leverage. So for example, you can come in with, let's say um, one tenth the value of a Bitcoin and get exposure to a full Bitcoin um, and, and things like that. Right, John. So, so Take us through what happened here. Take us through this FTX story. You said it was incredibly unexpected. Uh, I think the, for the entire crypto industry, it was unexpected. If you look at what of, at the reaction in, in crypto prices, take us through what happened and why this business collapsed. Yeah, sure. So we still don't know exactly what happened, but I can take you um, through what I think happened and um, some of the information that has recently come out. So up until Sunday last week, I mean, FTX was the darling of the crypto industry. They were seen as the most robust player endorsed by everyone from Tom Brady to, to Bill Clinton. Um, you, you name it. Everyone thought this was the trusted player in the business. These are the guys who are going to take crypto to, to the next level. They're going to um, work with the regulators. They're going to keep customer funds safe. You name it. They were estimated to be making over a billion dollars a year in profit, which I'm quite confident they were. So I'm really shocked at, uh, at what happened. Um, and essentially, the rumors are that uh, FTX had a partner firm called Alameda Research, which was essentially a cryptocurrency hedge fund. Um, that cryptocurrency hedge fund was taking out significant leverage um, on FTX. So, for example, they were bringing a token that they issued. Um, there's, there, there was a few, but let's use three examples. One FTT, that's the FTX token. Serum was a decentralized exchange token, a cryptocurrency. And let's say Solana, which is a, like an Ethereum competitor. They would bring these assets onto FTX in the billions um, and they would take out leverage against that. So they would bring in, let's say, $2 billion of, this, of, this, of these other tokens and they would take out, um, say, $2 billion of dollars or Bitcoin or something like that. 
So that they were heavily leveraging their, their book and their book of their specific tokens. Um, on Sunday night last week, I think, so I would imagine CZ, the founder of Binance and the CEO of Binance, had this information. There was a there was a leak in the press of the FTX balance sheet that showed that they owned something like eighty percent of the supply of, of some of those tokens. So he he either um, went on that public information or had additional information. But he uh, announced that he's selling his FTT tokens. This um, caused a massive uh, drop in the value of FTT, their collateral that they used to basically borrow other money. Alameda, the the the, um, the hedge fund, who borrowed money from FTX the exchange. Their collateral started declining in value, and they now needed to, to either post more collateral or to return the the assets they they borrowed. This was then um, further exaggerated by a run in the bank, where CZ, again the founder of Binance, sent out another tweet saying that um, this is just because uh, he believes that FTX could be the next Luna. Luna obviously famously was a sixty billion dollar project, went to zero overnight. People got very concerned. Influencers started chiming in, take your funds off the FTX, take your funds off the FTX. There was a run on the bank and now FTX um, had a run on the bank. All the users were pulling their assets out. Now the problem was that lent half those assets to Alameda um, on the back of this FTT or these other funny coins as collateral. So now they were very strapped for liquidity. Half of their um, balance sheet was already out. They didn't have it to, to give to clients. And this caused a negative feedback loop where the price of their token started plummeting, withdrawals started being delayed, and that made that, that put them into a, a worse and worse and worse position to a point where they had no um, assets to to redeem for clients' withdrawals, um, and worse, their collateral that they thought made them solvent was now worthless because it was all backed by them and their ecosystem. And now that they can't redeem customer withdrawals, those assets are worthless, and therefore they're completely insolvent. To the point where they filed Chapter 11 last week um, with what's rumored to be a $10 billion hole, um, which is really devastating for the industry and for anyone who had assets on FTX. And I think we're really just going to start seeing the contagion. It's, it's very, very scary. Um, a company called Genesis, they're a, I guess a sister company to Luno, um, has paused withdrawals and deposits, citing that uh, they had a relationship with FTX and Alameda. Um, Gemini, the large crypto exchange in the US owned by the Winklevoss twins, uh, those guys who famously sued um, Mark Zuckerberg, they own a crypto exchange. That exchange has now paused um, deposits and withdrawals on some of their products. And the contagion is really just snowballing. And it's a very scary time in the crypto space and people have to be incredibly careful. Crypto prices seem to be holding up reasonably well, though, as of the time of this recording, I see Ethereum sitting at about $1,200, Bitcoin is at about $16,500. The bottom hasn't fallen out of this market completely. Uh, it seems that there is still some faith in cryptocurrencies among investors. Um, but where do you think this ends? You, you mentioned this contagion. Do you think that uh, we've reached some level of stability now, or do you think there's worse to come? Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. I think the cryptocurrency market is holding up incredibly well. Um, just in the midst of all this uh, chaos, uh, as FTX filed Chapter 11, the CPI numbers came out 0.2% um, less than um, the previous numbers, meaning inflation seems to have topped out and be trending lower. So this macro um, sentiment shot Bitcoin up. Bitcoin went up about $500 and really uh, that, that really stopped the, the, the freefall, essentially, of crypto assets. So I think the, the macro sentiment switched. If this FTX debacle hadn't occurred, I've no doubt Bitcoin would be on 25, 30,000 rand, dollars today. 
um, where it's sitting on 1516. Um, I think the macro sentiment really is holding up uh, the risk on assets really, really well. I do worry that there's going to be a lot more contention in the market. I don't think we've seen the half of it yet. So, John, something that has concerned me in, in reading the reporting here is that um, Reuters and various other agents, news agencies have suggested that at least a billion dollars in client funds from FTX have simply vanished. Are there any indications at this stage as to where that money's gone? Yeah, sure. I mean, there's a uh, talk between 10 to 50 billion even. No one really knows uh, exactly how big this hole is um, yet. There's no indication of exactly where it's gone, but speculation and a recent interview, SBF, the uh, former CEO of FTX, did with a Vox reporter who I believe he thought it was off the record. Um, he did a text interview and was saying some pretty wild things, but he seemed to suggest that there's an $8 billion hole. Um, and he suggested that the money was simply lost uh, due to leverage. So, so as I explained before that, um, Alameda, this hedge fund owned by, by SBF, was borrowing funds on FTX. Um, they, they were borrowing those funds and essentially gambling with them. And he said over a month ago, they had $10 billion of extra assets. Um, and essentially 50% of that, just of their position size, just disappeared overnight with the market crashing, the run on the bank. A lot of that value was underpinned by FTX. Um, ecosystem tokens and um, and equity, which pretty much went to zero overnight. So it essentially was lost. It was, that value was essentially lost. Yeah, there's no indication that the money was stolen, but um, many say that is a form of theft, uh, using customer assets to essentially gamble and then losing it. Um, but there's no indication that the that money was was embezzled or taken out and, and used for some other reason. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it should it should absolutely have been illegal. Um, it's unclear how how it happened. Um, SBF in his interviews seems to suggest that it wasn't a deliberate. We're taking these assets out and um, we're going to use them. It wasn't a decision like that. He says it was the sum of many small decisions, um, such that, for example, one decision is likely the biggest decision that should never have been accepted is that they could use this collateral in order to borrow assets against it. Um, that is something that pretty much all the big exchanges do. You can bring collateral um, of their own tokens, even Binance. You can bring the BNB token and you can take out another asset. <clears throat> they, they allow that on, on all the big exchanges. So, so it was decisions like that. But when you start having one counterparty taking out 50% of your liquidity, that's something that's just, just outrageous, right? That's just that, that, that should have set off flags for them. I think regulation is super, super important. Um, although it is hard to say if it would have, um, prevented something like this, and it's specifically designed um, in such a way that it would, which I think given what's gone on, the regulators will surely uh, think like that.
Yeah, sure. I've heard that uh, theory as well. We're not sure at the moment what's true and what's not. Um, but the thing is, if that is true, then no amount of regulation would have prevented this, right? Because that's just pure, pure um, theft, fraud. That could happen in a, in a regulated business. That's, the, that's one big concern, to be honest. But if you start separating different functions like custody and um, exchanges, to be honest, that is how it works in traditional finance. And, and frameworks like that could actually prevent a lot of this stuff from happening. But at the end of the day, it is, it's still not impossible. I mean, you see what happened with the likes of a Lehman Brothers or, uh, I don't know, Bear Stearns. These things do tend to happen sometimes in highly regulated spaces. But I'm quite sure what happened in this case could have been avoided. Yeah, sure. That is definitely a concern. Um, one interesting thing to note is that FTX had two businesses. One FTX US, which was supposedly a highly regulated business in the US with oversight of the regulators, and they had FTX International. When this all started going down, FTX kept on coming out with statements. FTX US is fine. It's just FTX International. We're working through it. As it turns out, they were both um, completely bankrupt and both filed Chapter 11. This was a regulated business that, that was affected. It was a U.S. regulated business. So the truth is that I don't think more regulation, they might use it as an excuse to come out with um, over-cumbersome regulation if they see cryptocurrency as a threat to, 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 to their system, I guess, the, uh, I don't know, the regulators. But I don't think that um, over-regulation would, would make any sense. But it is, it is always a concern. But regulation is something that we always, especially at OVEX, is something we always look forward to. We want regulation because regulation shakes out bad actors like this. Um, and unfortunately, there's a lot, a lot of, of smaller, much smaller, obviously, than FTX, of bad actors in the space. And some level of, um, of regulation will instantly wipe out those small bad, bad actors, excuse me, which give a really bad name to the whole space. So, so I think regulation is really good. Um, I don't know how, how it could be too cumbersome to, to, to deal with. Um, but yeah, we're looking forward to regulation, hoping it's not too bad, but it's definitely something the industry needs. Yeah, absolutely. I'd have to give credit to the South African regulators because I think they have um, put in a lot of work to build a regulatory framework uh, for, for crypto assets. So the FSCA have come out to claim cryptocurrency as a financial product. I think that's a very important first step. Um, this means crypto asset service providers like ourselves, like Luno, like Valor, will have oversight um, from the FSCA, the Financial Services Conduct Authority, to make sure that we're running our business in a proper way. Um, I think that's really important. These smaller fly-by-night guys saying, oh, come invest, I've got a cryptocurrency hedge fund, um, and they run off with the money. Those guys won't uh, won't even get off the um, won't even get off the start. So, and and the framework that the FSCA have come out with looks really promising. So I, I do have to give credit to them. Then you have the Financial Intelligence Center, the FIC, uh, who have also come up with some very thoughtful regulation. Basic KYC, AML, all the big guys in the space uh, do it already. Um, 
very, very smart, very forward thinking, not uh, harmful to the, to the industry and something that all the responsible players do already. So the other regulator that, uh, that we need to consider is the Reserve Bank, who came out with a framework that we had a look at. Um, it, that framework was not uh, incredibly well thought out, um, unfortunately. It is a difficult asset for the Reserve Bank to regulate in South Africa, given the exchange control framework. But they had things like uh, no corporates can trade cryptocurrency, which, which just simply would be a terrible idea for South Africa. Um, and, and that's the biggest one. But I'm, I do have to, again, give them credit. The South African regulators have been incredibly, incredibly good and incredibly responsive. The Reserve Bank listened to the feedback from the, um, from the industry. They took it into consideration and they're, and they're working their framework um, a little bit. So I think yeah. all around South African regulators are doing a really good job um, at, uh, at moving towards crypto regulation. Mm-hmm. Now, in, in light of what happened at, at FTX, and I'm sure there's been a, a lot of damage done to uh, um, confidence in the market, and that may take a considerable amount of time to recover following this event. Uh, but I think a lot of uh, consumers and investors will be asking the question now, if some, something as big uh, and apparently well capitalized as FTX can fail in such a spectacular way as it did, uh, is it actually safe for you to leave your money in a crypto exchange? Is it not? Is the lesson out of all of this that you know you use the crypto exchange to trade cryptocurrencies, and then you take your money out, you take your your uh, your keys, your crypto keys, and you store them yourself in a safe place? What advice would you give to customers on this? Yeah, absolutely. So, so I think I said a similar thing on on another show, and I think that uh, risk management is incredibly, incredibly important, especially in a time like these. So you shouldn't just leave your um, crypto assets sitting on exchange unless it's earning yield and, and you're willing to take that risk um, for that yield. But I think if you need to, like, for example, a business like ours, we have to keep some amount of um, assets on exchanges. You've got to keep very on top of it, make sure that it's a small percent of your um, liquid assets, be very on top of the news and be ready to remove those assets at a moment's notice. So I think that's really the best thing someone can do at the moment. Just be very, very cautious, be very, very paranoid. Um, and just make sure that assets aren't sitting in random venues um, exposed to risk for no reason. Um, and then when they are exposed to risk, make sure that the risk is limited and um, you don't have an outsized portion of your portfolio exposed to uh, one single risk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I suppose one of the difficulties in, in, uh, in looking after your own keys is that you've seen many retail investors coming into the cryptocurrency space who don't really understand it. Um, they, they don't yeah. understand what a crypto key is, and they, they rely on the crypto exchange to keep their crypto safe. Do you think that crypto exchanges, and it may actually be acting against their interests, but do you think that crypto exchanges could and should be doing more to tell, to educate consumers about how to keep their crypto safe? Yeah, I think the crypto industry as a whole has a lot of um, improvements to do in terms of the user experience of managing your own keys, um, backups, key recovery. It's a very um, technical process. Even I often will have issues with um, crypto wallets. It'll take me an hour, an hour and a half, and I'm an electrical and computer engineer in the space. So I can't imagine uh, an 80-year-old granny just ever getting past those issues. So I think the the entire space has a lot of work to do in terms of uh, improving that. Then um, you have solutions like centralized exchanges, which are relatively simple, um, like like an email address. And I think that regulation um, will solve that with uh, regulated custodians, segregated wallets, um, public audits, things like that. I think two solutions are needed. One is a nice, safe, custodial, um, regulated environment. Another one is non-custodial, which is really the core of cryptocurrency. And the, that user experience does need to uh, improve, where user can own their own assets. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. John, we haven't chatted uh, to you in a, in a couple of years. So before we wrap today, I'd like to maybe just get an update on how OVEX is doing as a business. Um, can you give us some uh, insight into, into how big you are now? You're sitting in Dubai where you have an office. You also have an office in, in Cape Town. You're expanding into new markets. Tell us a bit about uh, what's happening at OVEX and how big you guys have become. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot, a lot has happened since we spoke. Uh, I think it was in late 2019 or early 2020. Since then, OVEX has grown to the largest. Yeah, yeah before? The pandemic. before the pandemic. Exactly. Yeah. Right. It was just before that. And OVEX really, we just launched with our cryptocurrency exchange. Um, and we've evolved a lot since then. We're now at the point where the, we're the biggest um, cryptocurrency market maker, prime broker in Africa, doing um, probably over half the market in South Africa and over $600 million a month um, in fiat to crypto transactions. So significant, uh, significant volumes. We're now in South Africa, um, as you said, Dubai, and we're growing to the rest of Africa. We're looking, we're already active in Ghana, Senegal, Cameroon, Tanzania, Kenya, and Uganda, um, Botswana, Namibia, uh, Australia, the UAE. Um, we got an office in Canada or company, an entity in Canada. Um, we're busy with a FCA application in the UK, um, and we're growing really, really quickly. We're also doing a lot of um, fintech solutions where some are not even related to cryptocurrency in markets like, uh, let's say, Kenya and uh, Ghana, where we um, are doing treasury management and um, assisting remittance companies with, uh, with their flows. So uh, we're, growing, we're growing really quickly and we see a massive opportunity for, for this fintech, fintech in general in Africa, but um, cryptocurrency as well in its native form has got a real product market fit in Africa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the size of your team, uh, how, how big are you? So we're about 37 now. Um, we did, we've raised uh, over $20 million. We actually didn't announce last year, we raised $60 million. We didn't announce it. Um, it was just purely from strategic investors. One of them, unfortunately, was uh, FTX, who we're now um, in talks with to buy that equity back, which we are quite excited to, to own that again. It's unfortunate what happened. Um, but yeah, I guess you could say that's a silver lining for us. Um, yeah, and we're probably looking to do another fundraise in the next 12 to 18 months. Okay, great stuff. So before I let you go then, um, just in light of what's happened with FTX and, and the damage it's done to the market, uh, what's your prognosis for the crypto space? Do you, when do you think we get past the damage caused to FTX? When do you buy FTX rather? When do you think that uh, the crypto yeah. market returns to some sort of normality? I think there's probably another six to 12 months um, of pain of uh, con- the contagion spreading and coming out. Um, on top of that, I think the macro climate isn't going to be very hot as well in the next t- six to 12 months. I think probably around 2024, you'll see a uh, similar market, crypto market to what we've seen now, a massive bull run, things going parabolic. Uh, I think there's going to be a bit of a cryptocurrency winter, um, both from a macro perspective and also what's happening within the industry. Um, the great deleveraging within the crypto industry, if you will. Mm-hmm. So tough time, tough year or two ahead uh, before the next bull market arrives. John Avadia is CEO of OVEX. Thank you so much for making the time to talk to Tech Central today. Pleasure. Thank you, Duncan.